Grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who comforts us. In the name of Jesus, amen. So this morning, Jesus tells us to beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. This is undoubtedly true. There are false teachers in this world who come to us espousing the name of Jesus, but their teaching would destroy sincere and genuine Christian faith. There are ones who seem to garner the largest audience, gain the most significant notoriety against important people, and have the most inward success, most worldly success, and yet their words can be poisonous. They're deceptive, and their tools are tools of the devil as they seek to destroy the faith that saves you. St. Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. And as we think about that, we remember that preaching is the means that God has given for us to believe in the gospel and be saved. Christ, Christ commands that his word be preached. He says, go and preach the gospel to all creation. And so the world declare, word declares that Christ is the Son of God who has come to redeem sinners through his death and his resurrection. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. That must be heard that Jesus lives. He sends this message through preachers and teachers who shared the blessed and wonderful word of Christ. That he has come to save this world. That he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That he has been made flesh to die for our sins. True preachers are going to proclaim Christ has saved them. They proclaim the truth of the sacred scriptures so that some in the world may come to faith in Jesus. And those who gather in faith, who hear that preaching and believe in it, make up the one holy Christian church on earth. Christ grows his church through the preaching of his word. We confess this church in the Apostles' Creed. I believe the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, so on. Martin Luther describes the church very beautifully in this phrase. He says, I believe that there is upon the earth a little holy group and congregation of pure saints under one head, even Christ. And this group is called together by the Holy Spirit in one faith, one mind, and understanding, with many different gifts, yet agreeing in love without sect or schism. And I am part and member of this group. And so God sends preachers into the world to call us by faith. And in that preaching, the Holy Spirit creates faith in our hearts. And we believe in the gospel. And we are now part of God's church. And since there is one holy Christian church on earth, that one church is scattered around the world as an accumulation of those who are saved by the grace of Christ that is received by faith in the gospel. And in that one little holy Christian church, the word must be preached. This is what unites the true church. This is what sanctifies or makes us holy as the one church. It is what gathers the church. It is the preaching of the pure word of Jesus. And this word of God saves us. As we remember Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Yet the church is often infiltrated. As there are wolves who pose as sheep, they seek to enter the church for their own gain. 
And so here Jesus today calls us to be on watch because there are false teachers who seek to destroy, to devour, and to take what they can for themselves. And they must be recognized for what they are. And so how do you recognize a false teacher? Jesus said you'll recognize them by their fruit. And so what are the fruits of a false teacher? How can you recognize them? How can you tell them apart from a genuine preacher of, preacher of the gospel? Well, Jesus tells us they are wolves in sheep clothing. That means that they'll be hard to distinguish. They will make every effort to sound and look like sheep of the flock of God. They will speak in Jesus' name. They will quote from the scriptures. They will sing Christian-sounding music. They will gather in buildings that they call churches. They will do all the things that Christians do. They'll gather on Sunday. And so how will we recognize the false teachers? Well, Jesus says you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Are figs from thistles? And so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. That's what Jesus says. And this is how we're told to recognize false teachers. Apple trees bear apples. An orange tree bears oranges. Cedars do not bear walnuts. Locust trees do not bear peaches. The Christian teacher is going to preach Christ. He's going to hear and believe what Jesus says. As he says, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. He will hear when Jesus says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. True teachers of the Christian faith are going to preach God's word. That is it. They will be satisfied with the word of God. They will not find it to be insufficient to the task of saving their hearers. But they will delight in it, and they will preach it with zeal. They will preach it with love. This is what St. Paul tells Timothy to do. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is the judge, the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach you the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but will have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and water off in the myths. But as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, Fulfill your ministry. Right here, Paul exhorts young Timothy to preach the word like it's going out of style. There will be seasons when people listen. There will be seasons where the harvest is light. But the word will do its work. God's holy word will speak for itself. It will defend itself. It will prove itself true. The preacher's task is simply to preach God's word, which is found in the scriptures. No more, no less. And that word will function to reprove, rebuke, exhort. It'll terrify our weak consciences. It'll comfort sinners with the true gospels. It will proclaim that the world needs to hear. St. Paul tells the Corinthians, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, the crucified Lord Jesus was enough for St. Paul. He didn't need 
some other content to his preaching. He didn't need to spice it up. He didn't need to sound cooler or better. He simply proclaimed what the Lord has done. And that is the fruit of a true Christian preacher. The death and resurrection of Jesus are enough. They simply repeat to the people of God what God has spoken. They exhort Christians to faithful living, they warn against sinful behavior, and they comfort sinners with the gospel of Christ who has forgiven them. That is a pastor's calling. This is the good fruit that they are to bear. But the fruit of false teachers will always be revealed in their attempt to say God's word is not sufficient. They will seek after other things to preach, and they will not be satisfied with the word of God and what it was revealed in the Bible. They will not see it as practical or compelling or sufficient enough for their goals. And so looking at different sorts of fruit, you see. St. Paul said that there would be a time when people would have itching ears, and so that they would seek preachers to best suit their passions. St. Paul tells us in our epistle today, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not of the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, and you live. So there's a struggle. And this is a struggle that every true Christian teacher of the Word will face. A true teacher of God's Word will exhort Christians to put their sinful flesh to death. He will expose sin for what it is. He will face being despised by the world. He will say unpopular things because the unpopular truth will save him and his hearers. But a false teacher won't do that. A false teacher will refrain from saying anything controversial or challenging to a person who's dwelling in their sins because he would rather tickle their ears. A true teacher will seek to kill the sinful flesh while the false teacher will actually feed it. And so we have this world, in this world, false teachers of every sort. They're the obvious false teachers out there, the ones who begin to teach, and after a few short minutes, you can see that they're not really Christians. You, you have the, the, the heretical groups out there, maybe the, the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons are clear examples of this type of false teacher, as you, you can talk to one for a few minutes, and, and you know, all of a sudden, they're kind of heretical. They deny the triune God or the divinity of Jesus, or they claim to follow some other book than the Bible. They say the Bible isn't sufficient. They needed another revelation. Uh, but then there's also the less obvious ones, the ones who preach the Bible, say, this is my Bible. There's no creed but this. I believe in it. And they say, we have those teachers who promise things that God doesn't promise, though. They say things that the Bible doesn't explicitly say. They're the ones who will, who will tell you that if you're truly a Christian, you can focus on a positive thing, and you can put that positive thing in your life by having enough faith in it. Joel Osteen and others like him will tell people, for example, that they can simply have faith that something will happen, and if their faith is good, then that thing will happen. And if it doesn't happen, you need to have more faith. And to get more faith, you can listen to more of Joel Osteen and send a donation to Joel Osteen Ministries. Go to my website. You can donate right there. We also have teachers who teach in a way to feed the pride and the sinful flesh. They say if good things are happening in your life, it's because you're living a life that's pleasing to God. If bad things are happening in your life, it's because you're making God angry. And so if you have windfalls of success then keep on doing what you're doing. If, you keep on, if you're suffering and sorrow, there must be a secret sin that you have to reckon with. 
And so pride and despair kind of become the currency of faith as they come over people as tides of fortune ebb and flow from their lives. And so when things are going well, they don't give glory to God in humility, but they pat themselves on the back for their faithfulness. And when things go poorly, they despise God's wrath over them so that they can't conceive of God's mercy. And so you have the teacher who doesn't lift up the gospel of Christ to the weak, He doesn't convict the poor and their need. He simply says, whatever you're doing seems to work. And then there are the false teachers who care only about the world's approval of what they say and do. They preach only the spirit of the age. And so if the world accepts something that the scriptures call a sin, then this certain sin must be acceptable to God now. If the world finds certain things of the scriptures to be unimportant or outdated, they simply will go with the world. And they are willing to place themselves over and above the scriptures in some way or another. They'll either use their reason or their emotions or or their personal experiences or their desire to be loved by the world, their greed, their lust, or whatever they cherish as valuable. And they'll set that above the Bible so that the Bible no longer has supreme authority. And that's the goal, to get the Bible out of the way so they can do what they want. For example, with that one, you have maybe the ELCA and those like them that celebrate every sort of sin and subvert the gospel. Their church signs have the words evangelical, Lutheran, and church on them. They sing hymns like our hymns. They have services that look similar to our services. Their pastors dress the same as our pastors. They have a service that looks like our service. They're they're undeniably different, though. Their differences are made evident in the content of their preaching. Because they do not preach the clear words of Christ, but spend most of their time arguing against it. And yet they say they're evangelical of the gospel. They say they're Christian, they say they're church, and yet they rail against the church every chance they get. All of these false teachers have one thing in common, though. They fail to recognize that their preaching, their teaching, and their calling don't belong to them. Their service to the church is not found in themselves. Their service to the church is not a right that they have. Their church and their ministry are not their church and their ministry. But they are the stewards of the things that belong to Jesus. They are serving Christ church, and they are ministers of Christ's word and sacraments. They stand in the stead and in the place of Jesus. And when they forget that, they bring destruction upon themselves. That's why Jesus says in our gospel lesson, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, on that day, Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What Jesus is saying here is that not every church, not everybody who calls themselves church, not everyone who calls themselves a minister of the gospel, not everyone who calls themselves a Christian is part of the true church. Not every person who calls themselves a Christian is a true Christian. There are false teachers. There are false disciples. And it's because all false teaching breeds hypocrisy. 
It causes them to say that they are disciples of Jesus. It causes them to claim that they know and love the gospel of Christ and his forgiveness. But they act and believe as if they do not. That's not our calling as children of God. Our calling of children of God is to suffer with Christ. What does that mean other than to live in the gospel of Christ, to reject the world and its false promises, to delight in no greater pleasure than knowing that our sins are forgiven? That's what we cling to. This is the true calling of every Christian. It is to simply live in humility as we stand before God knowing that we deserve nothing but wrath and punishment, and in that receive innumerable blessings from him instead. That is what every Christian is called to, to trust in blessings that we cannot see. It is to hear the pastor say, your sins are forgiven you for the sake of Jesus, and to simply believe it. It is to believe and rejoice in the word that calls all of my work, my understanding, my reason, my personal strength, all my gifts, my talents, everything that I think I'm special over, and to say it's nothing but rubbish. And to rejoice in nothing other than Christ crucified for me. It's the delight in the denial and destruction of my sinful flesh, all of its passions, everything it clings to, so that the only good that I can claim in myself is Christ's Spirit, who dwells within me by faith alone. That's what we're called to believe in. That's what we're called to confess and cling to as the people of God. A true Christian preacher will gladly let my itching ears remain unscratched because he recognizes that you have more important things to receive from Jesus. And those itching ears don't know what's best for you. But Jesus does. And he has the words of eternal life. True preachers are going to give you Jesus. They're going to proclaim Christ, the Son of God, who dies for the sins of the world. They're going to identify what those sins are. And then they're going to suffer for the gospel and for the truth's sake. And that means that they're willing to face the world's disapproval so long as you hear the word of God. Because nothing else matters. See, we have the flock of God. We have the sheep of the pasture of Christ. And Jesus is the good shepherd, and he knows his sheep. His sheep hear his voice. And so the word of law that Jesus gives to the church concerning false preachers should drive us flock to his word. It should drive us to the solid foundation of the church, which is the word of God. As Luther says, hold fast to the true standard by which all doctrine must be judged, which is God's word and command, and then you can neither err nor fail. And you can overthrow the boast and pretensions of every false spirit. For Christ by this sentence, not he who saith, Lord, Lord, but he who does the will of my Father, directs and leads us alone to his word. That we may know that those alone are good fruits who walk according to the word. And so, dear Christians, judge everything you hear in the church and out of the church by the word read your bible study the scriptures read and study your catechism sing hymns devote yourself to prayer 
also that you might know what is truth. So that you might beware of the false prophets who come to you clothed as sheep, but really inwardly are ravenous wolves. Because when Jesus warns us today about the false teachers, the wolves in sheep's clothing, he does so out of love. Jesus does not need to put on sheep's clothing. He does not need to deceive the sheep. He's the good shepherd. He guards his flock with his word. He protects us with the doctrines he delivers to his sheep. And his sheep hear his voice and they follow him. There are wolves, there are false shepherds, but Jesus defends us against them in his word. And so we follow him. He gives us good and faithful preachers to preach his good and faithful word. And he still sends forth faithful preachers and teachers into his church. He has sent his pastors. He sends his church workers. We certainly need more of them. For those of you who are young enough, consider that as a vocation in your life. Consider if God has called you to teach the word of God to those who are younger. For you young men who are thinking about what you must do with your life, consider the possibility that maybe God has called you into the office of ministry. Pray over it. Think about the word that God has given you. We need those who will share the word of truth to the world in the future. Yet most of all, we need faithful teachers of the faith around our dinner tables. We need mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers and aunts and uncles to speak the truth of Christ and his word to our children, to their spouses, to their friends. We need to dust off the old Bible and the old catechism and read it. Read a small bit of it aloud every day with your family or with a friend. Because there the truth will be proclaimed and you will know it. God's word will free us from sin and death and every evil in this world. And you can measure every bit of teaching that you receive in this life up against the word of God. Insisting on sound doctrine and, and truthful preaching is not binding, it's not restrictive, it's freeing. It's a gift, it's joyful. Some people may say that insisting on the truth of God's word disrupts the unity of church, it makes life uncomfortable, it, it, it divides relationships, it's really hard, it creates conflict. But in reality, sound doctrine is what unites Christians together. It's what gathers the holy church. It's what draws us into life and salvation as we might live with each other in the truth. True comfort only comes from knowing God's word. And so, dear friends in Christ, flee from false teachers. Flee from them into the safety and protection of your good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And there we'll find the sweetness of forgiveness, life, and salvation. There you will know your good shepherd, you will hear his voice, he will comfort you, he will guide you, he will care for you. And we will see him for who he is. We will see ourselves as the sinners that we are, but we'll see him as the savior that he is for us. And in that, when God's word is kept pure, you will be certain. There will be no doubt. You will know and hear the promises of God, and they will comfort you. They will encourage you. They will drive you in faith. 
So we are given the gift of faith that unites and gathers us as the church and frees us from our sins. We will have joy. Let us pray. Father in heaven, bless us to hear your word. Guard us against all false teaching and send your spirit to help us recognize their fruit. Cause all faithful preaching to bear good fruit of faith, repentance, life, and salvation as we live in your kingdom. And encourage all of those who hear your word to know it, to rejoice in it, and be comforted by it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in the true faith, the life everlasting. In the name of Jesus, amen. We rise.